Boom, that red light comes on right oh, there. Oh, I have to wait till it comes on. Yeah, okay. and then we'll just... It's great to see everybody. Hey, now this banquet's going to be awesome. Come on, Mark. Yeah. I mean, we got entertainment that's just going to rock your world. <laughs> we got a guy named Gio the Magnificent who's coming. <laughs> this guy can, can foretell the future and, and make connections. It's unbelievable, this guy. He, he travels all over the world. We're even glad to get him. Uh, so we're going to have some other entertainment, have some skits, going to have some music. Uh, Peter Wade's going to be our DJ. We're going to dance. So if you don't know how to dance, you need to go take some lessons because, you know, Clay's going to be taking pictures for the following year. And we don't want to get all messed up with that. Because I know some of you. I mean, come on. But it's a good thing we're a family. Because we can laugh at one another. I hate to go to a place where everybody knows how to dance. And I'm kind of out there, and I really feel insecure about that. So you don't want that to happen. But we're excited to be here this morning. I hope that you're excited. Uh, we're going to be looking at an important sermon in the Bible. That's the Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to be focusing in on Matthew chapter 7. Now this is a lesson in the basics of Christianity. Because we're talking about going beyond religion. Because religious is not the goal for a Christian. It doesn't represent the truth just to be religious. Like Gio said last week, he doesn't really like to be referred to as religious. Because it conveys a superficiality. A lack of seriousness. Um, sometimes even a silliness. When you see some things on TV, you go, what are they thinking? So we want to go beyond that. Because basically, my view is Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And you've got to get beyond the religious structures and denominations and all the things that block a relationship with God in order to have a relationship with God. And that's what really we want. What good is it to be religious if you end up in hell? <coughs> Hasn't done you much good, right? Exactly. And these, what we're going to be talking about this morning, are four foundational pillars that without them, you cannot have a relationship with God. It's impossible. Yes, there are conditions to a relationship to God. Amen. Just like there are conditions to every other relationship, if you want a good relationship. Yeah. If you want to have a good marriage, then the husbands have got to be sensitive to their wives, right? That's the condition. If they're not... It's not going to be a great marriage. There are conditions to everything that we do that have merit. Now we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7. And I put all of the quotations from Matthew 7 in red. The reason being, in most of your Bibles, you'll see where Jesus speaks, it's red letter. Right? How many people have red letter edition? Okay, so we know in Jesus speaking. And why do they do that? 
Uh, put a little emphasis on it. Because when Jesus says it, I don't know. I mean, I believe Paul is inspired too, and his letters are just as authoritative. But I just like to hear the words of Jesus. Because He's my Lord. And He's who I'm following. So I put this in red letter to impress upon you the seriousness of this sermon. Now, we're going to start at the back of the sermon because it has something important to say for us to get started. So this is the end of the whole Sermon on the Mount. It's the end of chapter 7, because chapter 7 is the last chapter. But it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, all of us have a decision that we can make in life. You can either be a fool or you can be wise. That's the two choices. And what determines whether or not you're wise or foolish has to do with your reaction to the words of Jesus that we're going to be talking about. We've got to get this conviction down in us that Jesus, if you're not obedient to the Word of God, Jesus calls you a fool. So when someone says, hey fool, don't get upset with him. Because that's who you are. That's who Jesus says you are. Because you're building on sand. You're building a house on sand. It's like people in California. Why would you build a house on the side of a hill in California? And we see them slide down, and the question I always ask, why did you build there? Aren't there flat places? <laughs> I learned real quick, I don't want any house around any hills, any floodplains, anything like that. Why? Because I'm going to be wise, and I don't want to get all wet. <laughs> so don't get offended if you fall into the foolish category. Be thankful that Jesus is trying to warn you now, about being a fool. There's four pillars we're going to be looking at. Pillar one. Seek to make correct judgments. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Oh, now wait a minute. He just told me to make correct judgments. And the red letter says not to make judgments. So who are you going to believe, Jesus or me? Well, in that context, you want to believe Jesus. But you want to know what Jesus means. How is it possible not to make any judgments? I mean, how could you go from one day to the next without making a judgment? 
We judge all the time. Hey, we find somebody that's a serial killer, what do we want to do with them? Put them in jail, right? Well, kill them, we don't want to get okay. That has crossed my mind, but I'd rather do it legally. You know what I'm saying? Is that not a judgment? We can say, oh no, Jesus said not to judge, so dude, you're fine, let him off. Hey, we can't put him in jail. That's his experience. You can't judge that. He feels that deeply within. It's a need he has to kill people. (laughs) Who are you to say he can't kill people? But this is one of the, if not, the most misused Scripture you're ever going to find. I've sat down with countless people. Start studying the Bible. Are you saying this? Yeah. Well, the Bible says you're not supposed to judge. I've heard it a a million times, haven't you? Hey, are you judging me? Jesus said you're not supposed to judge. So why are you judging me? See, you can't even figure out anything in the Bible without making a judgment. You've got to decide. So what context is Jesus talking about? Because when something's ripped out of its context, it loses its meaning. It can be misused. Let's say Gio goes up to one of you and says, you know, I really, I really admire Kathy Wooten. I, I really love that sister. This guy goes, ooh. Comes over to me and says, you just told me he's love your wife. <laughs> now, you think he's going to appreciate that being taken out of context? We don't like things being taken out of context. We don't like someone telling someone else what we said when that's really not what we meant. It infuriates us. It upsets us. So, we got to keep things in the context. What is the context? For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He's talking about making a correct judgment and not a hypocritical judgment. Whatever you use to judge is going to be used against you. You'll be judged by the standard that you use. That's what Jesus is saying. Now he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You know, so many people that want to be critical of Christians. And the reason that you don't take it seriously, that I don't take it seriously, because they can't see clearly. You deal with your own life and you come tell me where I'm wrong. If you're not willing to show the humility necessary in your own life, then don't come over here judging me. It's like he uses a funny illustration of a guy with a plank in his eye going around, you know. Okay, well, he's got one eye. You can see, you know, pick the... No, 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 no. Just imagine it this way. I take a, two hands full of sand and you open your eyes wide and I throw them in there. What are you going to do? You Oh, man. And then if I turn around and say, can you get this out of my eye? There's a little something right in my eye. Can you see this? Get that? Man, I can't see a thing. I, forget it. Wait a minute. Give me a chance, right? It's the same thing spiritually. You've got to make the decision to make a right judgment. 
non-hypocritical judgment if you're ever going to know God. Because if you approach God with this attitude, this feeling that you're judging Him, you've got a battle ahead of you. Because you're never going to get anywhere in a relationship if you're judging God and if you're judgmental of other people and you're critical and you're self-righteous. Your relationships are going to be affected. Your relationship with God is going to be affected. You've got to judge correctly. God's given you the mind to judge correctly. He's given you the common sense to judge correctly. He's given everything you need to make a solid decision and a right judgment. Unless you want to be a hypocrite. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The height of hypocrisy is judging somebody else with the same thing you've got. Looking at somebody. Look at that guy. Making a judgment from mere appearances. I did this one time, kind of as an example. I was walking in a church building somewhere. And, um, you, you know, in the old days, everybody carried a Bible, you know. That was a sign of a good Christian. There's that Bible in the church, you know. You walk in there. <laughs> I saw this guy coming to church out of Bible. I kind of went, huh, unclean. You know, you get that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I looked down at him. Guess he's not serious. <laughs> then I found out he had like fifty translations on his 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 phone. He had fifty English translations, some crazy number: Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. He had everything on there. I mean, he was there is Aramaic in the Old Testament, but anyway. He, uh, 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 I felt so convicted. This guy was way ahead of me. I had my old little Bible, your one little translation, <laughs> and he was ser- he was a serious student. But I judged from appearance. It was a hypocritical judgment, way off, missed it by a mile. Determined that this guy just in just quickly and he looked at him, boom, just made a judgment. He must not be doing well. And I missed it. Why? Because I was being a hypocrite. I was being self-righteous. I had a plank in my own eye. And I couldn't see clearly enough to think about, yeah, but where's the brother's heart? Where is he really at on the inside? That's what you ask to make a right judgment. Good judgments are a result of logical and common sense thinking. You're going to have to be logical. Sometimes we want to be logical about everything else, but when it comes to spiritual things, then we just want to throw it up into the wind. Right? Isn't that the way it is? It's not difficult. One of the things we need to understand as we study this, these pillars... How easy the Bible is to interpret. People sometimes feel like, wow, you know, I need a doctorate degree before I really know. (laughs) Hey, you can get a doctorate degree and still 
there's more you don't know than do know. In fact, sometimes a doctor degree is a statement of how much you don't know. Because I've talked to many people with doctorate degrees. And it's amazing. When they, when they refuse to put these pillars in their life, how they miss it. we got four pillars that build a house. Each corner. And you got to make the right kind of judgments and believe you can make the right kind of judgments. People have fought, gone down this road of, um, of, of, of fearing to draw any conclusions about anything spiritually that they see in anybody else's life. And we don't judge simply by my own personal opinion or yours. We're able to judge by the Word of God. The judgment's already been made. I'm simply telling you what the judgment is. It's not me saying, hey, I don't like you. And I think you're awful. And that's my judgment. No, you've got to have something, a standard by which you're drawing your conclusions. If you just go by your emotions, you're going to miss it. Because emotions can be very misleading. Very misleading. I've been very hurt by misplaced emotions. Haven't you? I mean, I just knew this girl in high school loved me. I knew it. But she didn't. That was sad. That was sad. Very hurtful. But let's go on because I'm going to run out of time. John uh, 7.24 Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Just imagine, in Jesus' world, you walk around in Jerusalem or up in Galilee, wherever there's synagogues, there's religious people, there's all kinds of uh, um, uh, leaders and Pharisees who are wearing these robes. They look so humble and, 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 and it's so close to God. But they weren't. We sometimes see these amazing church buildings. In California, they're all over the place. I mean, you're like, oh, yeah. look at these things. And you go in and you see people singing and worshiping. And people, oh, these people must know God. Why do you say that? Well, you don't want to judge them because you don't understand this passage. Right? And so what do you do? Well, I guess there's a place in here for God too. I'm not saying God's not in there. But just because people sit in a building and they sing doesn't mean they're of God. I mean, come on. Make a right judgment. You think you just sit in a building and sing and, 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 and give a contribution and that's all it takes to be right with God? Who would make a judgment like that? Except someone who didn't like a judgment made on them. And the, the, the strongest judgments I've gotten from people are from the people who don't believe in judgment. You're judging me. Was that a judgment? You just made a judgment. You just judged me for judging you. Right? You can't get away from it. So stop judging by mere appearances, but judge correctly. Pillar two, seek with determination. 
Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And, the one, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Okay, God, I'm going to ask. Can I go to heaven? Thank you. No, it's not that kind of asking. It's an asking with determination. Seeking with determination. It's kind of like if, 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 if your child had a terrible disease. And they had like three hours to live. And you found the house of someone who had the very medicine that you needed. One injection, your child would be cured. And you go up to the door. Not here. Come back tomorrow. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to knock for a while. Then I'm going to start kicking. (laughs) Then I put my shoulder to this thing. And you're going to give me the medicine. Even if they come put me in jail, at least my child will be healed. That's knocking. And you've got to ask yourself first, do I really care about the truth? And if you're religious this morning, do you really care about the truth? Do you really care whether you're right or wrong with God? Does it really matter? If you don't have that pillar in your life that you're going to ask, you're going to knock, you're going to seek with fervency, then you're not going to find a thing. You know what you're going to find? Confusion. Bewilderment. All the, the, the Christian virtues are going to be elusive to you. You're not going to understand humility. You're not going to understand patience. It's just going to be, it's going to be gone. There's no... There's no uh, um, God does not fulfill mediocre, superficial seeking. The truth is out there. If you want it, then you've got to ask for it and you will find it. If you don't have the truth, because you're not asking. You're not seeking. You're not knocking hard enough. Hope I'm not offending you. Because I'm not here to offend you. This, I could just put the whole sermon up on this thing and, and, and Jesus said, and it'll preach itself. Yeah. It's like, let's say, I have a gold nugget worth $100,000. Let's say, close your eyes. And I just throw it out here in the room somewhere. <laughs> And I tell you, there's a gold nugget out there in this room somewhere. It's worth $100,000. You've got a minute to find it. Now, if you're going like this, well, I guess my minute's up. Wasn't my fault. I've had more time. What would you say about somebody just kind of kicking the speakers? You'd say, that guy's not serious about finding it. He doesn't care about that nugget. He does not understand what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> he might be a fool. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. 
If you know that gold nugget's there and you need that gold nugget and I could use a gold nugget like that, man, I'm going to tear this place apart. In a half minute, I'm going to have it done. I'm going to find that nugget. Why? Because I'm determined. You see, a lot of people aren't determined because they really don't think they got a problem with God. They don't think there's any, there's any separation. They don't, they don't really think about eternal life a whole lot. And so they seek with... with it, 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 they just seek with a, a mediocrity. And if you seek that way, you're going to be deceived. You're going to hear a lot of things. So you're going to have to make sure that you ask and seek and knock. And this goes for, for disciples as well. If something's not clearing up in your life, are you asking God about it? Are you determined to have victory? Are you seeking like you need to? It goes back to this pillar. How long have you been prideful? How long are you, are you just going to stay prideful the rest of your life? Oh, we're all prideful, but you know what I'm saying. Some people just have problems with pride. I have a problem with pride. And this passage is a key to me because I'm looking for ways not to be prideful. That's my quest. Amen? Amen? Hopefully it's yours. And if you're going to ask, it's good to ask someone that you can trust. Right? So Jesus says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then know you were evil and how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. We've got to understand the goodness of our God, the love of our God. Nobody wants to approach somebody who's mean. I don't care how much they know, I'm really not interested in talking to somebody who is I cannot trust. I don't know what I'm going to get. Wouldn't you hate it if I gave you a birth, uh, Christmas present every year and you never really knew what I was going to give you because I put snakes in there sometimes and sometimes <laughs> I gave you something really nice and sometimes I gave you something, you know, dead dog head or something and then you this and that and, and you're... And you're you go, you know, Marty just, there's, there's trouble with him. Sometimes he comes through, but boy, a lot of times he doesn't. We've got to trust. God knows what he's doing about giving gifts. God's given us life. God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He is a giving God. He's always been a giving God. He's a communicative God. He loves to communicate. If you ask him, he will answer you. You might not hear him verbally, or you might hear him in a dream, I don't know. But he's going to answer your request Amen. If, it's, if it's given with determination and sincerity. Yep. He gives good gift to those who ask him. We don't give snakes to our kids, right? I mean, I ate a rattlesnake one time, but that's not the same thing. I ordered that in a restaurant. <laughs> Wish I had now, but you know. Yeah, it tastes like chicken too. But anyway, <laughs> let's go on. We can run out of time here. Pillar three, seek the narrow way. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Don't follow the way of the majority. Don't assume the majority 
is correct. That's exactly what you don't want to believe. What most people believe, religious uh, people, is going to be wrong. It's going to be off the mark. There might be some things that are right. But the total package is going to be lacking. And that's what you have to watch out for. You need to look for the narrow way. And you know, no, I don't like to be called narrow-minded. Do you? It makes it, 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 an insult to me. But I am narrow-minded. I want to be as narrow-minded as Jesus is, and, and, and no more, no less. I just want to be as narrow as He is. And we're all narrow-minded. You might say, well, I, I think we're going to need to be more open to things. You want to be more open to things. Well, you have to ask yourself, is that right or is that wrong? And are you right and are you wrong in wanting that? Don't look to the majority. Everyone's narrow-minded. And sometimes, like I said with judgment, sometimes the people that are affirm openness are the most closed. Yeah. I mean, they'll just shut you down. And they're angry about it. How dare you? Why are you so angry? You narrow-minded or something? <laughs> hey, we're all narrow-minded about our views. And nobody's open to everything. <clears throat> no one's open to everything. I'm not open to rape being good. I'm not open to elderly abuse being something that we ought to do. In fact, that's a federal law now, you know. Elder abuse. And I'm an elder because I'm over 60. No, emotional, financial, anything you do to me that makes me feel bad, I'm turning you over to the federal marshal. I'm serious. I've been waiting a long time for this. I just want to go in a bar and pick a fight. Hey, stupid, let him beat me up. Aha, you got me. But now you're going to jail. <laughs> I'm not open to that. Yeah. Are you open to that? No. Even someone says, I don't believe in God. Are you open to the fact that serial killing is a good thing? No, I'm not open to it. You must be narrow-minded because you're not open to everything. No one's open to everything. Don't let people throw that on you. Well, I just think Christians are narrow-minded. Well, just turn it back on and say, you're not, you don't have convictions about anything? Are you narrow-minded about the narrow-minded people? <laughs> you know, God is a God of precision. He's a precise God. Everything He creates is precise. The way it all intricately is intricately woven together. As far as you can see, there's design. As far down as you look, there's design. So God expects you to have enough intelligence to want to do the right thing and find out what is right and where to go in to find out what is right. He's given you that ability and He expects us to use it. And it shouldn't offend us for Him to say most People are on the broad road. That ought to just give us the conviction, I don't want to be on that road. 
So therefore, I must have to use my mind and trust that I can understand the Word of God in order to get on the narrow road. The worst thing in the world is to be on the broad road when you in reality are on the narrow road. And vice versa. You don't know where you're at. To think you're on the narrow road and be on the broad road. think you're on the broad road and you're on the narrow road. There's, there's just, it's just confusion all around. God didn't create you to be confused. God created you to figure things out. Amen. Look at this passage. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now how smart do you have to be to figure out how many faiths there are? (laughs) How many faiths are there that Paul says? One. But what do you hear today? Oh, well, my faith is, or I have this faith. And it's because, oh, well, that's all under the same umbrella, just people's different terms. No, don't fall for that. Because people say, I am of this faith. I am of the Methodist faith. I am of the Presbyterian faith. I am of the Catholic faith. Which means that faith that the Methodist faith is different from the Presbyterian faith. That's why they're two different denominations. It doesn't take much to figure that out. But there's only one faith. And that's the faith I want. Are you judging me? I'm not saying anyone. No, no. Wouldn't do that. I'm just telling you there's one. And you better figure out which one that is if you're going to have a relationship to God. If you believe it doesn't make any difference how many faiths there are, then you've missed that pillar. Your your building and house is going like this. Just someone says they have faith doesn't mean they qualify for the one faith. People that affirm this one faith in the first century died for it. A lot of people say they believe in Jesus and they wouldn't die for anybody. Because they don't have the conviction, they don't have the character, they don't understand what the one faith really is. And what about baptism? How many baptisms are there? One. And how many are out there in the world? A lot. Do you know the word baptism means immersion? It comes from the Greek word baptizo, to immerse. Why don't they translate it that way? Because in 1611 when they did the King James Version, they were afraid... To uh, translate immersion, because why? The Church of England was pouring water on people. So what the translators do? They just put baptism. They just kept it close to the Greek word. Say, well, you have to interpret it yourself. It's deceitful in translation. Now, if there's one baptism, and that baptism is immersion, then one of someone's baptized as a child, sprinkled. Well. My reasoning process says that particular way of, quote, baptizing is not in the Bible. Therefore, if it's not in the Bible, I can assume, I can conclude, 
And it's not that one Baptist. So I go somewhere else where they pour water on you. And I can say, hmm, wonder where that came from. Because the Bible teaches that you're to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins. And yet this person's pouring water on somebody. So does that qualify? Oh, yeah, but does that really make a difference? Let's not get technical. Let's not get legalistic. I don't want to be legalistic, and I don't want to be technical. I just want to be right on something. I'm not trying to be prideful. There are some things you can be right on. Anyone, any professor I ever had that I really sat down and talked about baptism, they affirmed that it was immersion for the forgiveness of sins. But you know what the issue was? Yeah, but if I accept that, all oh, people I preach to and stuff wouldn't be saved. Well, maybe that implication ought to wake you up a little bit and use all your scholarly ability to go back and read one baptism. Amen. It seems narrow-minded. It seems you're excluding people. But hey, one is one, right? Yeah. And you've got to stick with that. Okay, so enter through the narrow gate. It's okay. God will get you there. Now, watch out for false prophets. Oh, we're going late here. Gio, I'm going to get down in a second. You've been late last last week. What time did Gio quit last week? No, I Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Wake up! Realize mere appearance isn't going to get you anywhere. A mere appearance is going to get you eaten up. Wolf comes in, looks like a sheep. Oh, hey! Oh, you must be sincere. Good to have you in the flock. Is it a flock of sheep or a herd of sheep? I can't remember. By their fruit you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Everyone, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. That's how you watch out. You've got to watch out. There are people working for Satan... It's clearly pointed out in, in the Bible he's going to use false teachers. Yeah. They are coming after you. They're going to try to soothe you, make you feel good, make you feel like there's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Don't get legalistic about baptism and the one faith and all this stuff. Just listen to me. I'll make you rich. You give them me and you get rich. I don't know how that works. You give me the money and you get rich. I don't know. But anyway... That's how it works when you see all of this stuff. How do you watch out? You alert yourself to the fact that these teachers are out there and you're going to recognize them by what they teach and how they live. Look for the fruit. The fruit of good works. The fruit of humility. The fruit of correct interpretation. The fruit of consistency with the Bible. The fruit of taking a stand against false teaching. You get around a teacher who just smiles at everybody and just, hey, everybody's fine, let's just love God. You've got to judge that fruit. 
It might look good on the outside, but inside it's rotten. Thus by their fruit you'll recognize them. Okay, one more pillar. Real quick. Seek to be a true disciple. I just want to appeal to you. Quit playing games. Who do you think you're playing games with? You think God doesn't see the games you're playing? The lack of commitment? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. In your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I'm telling you, even as a disciple for many years, this scripture wakes me up. I don't know about you. It wakes me up. I mean, Jesus is just pointing a shotgun at religiosity and pulling both barrels. Do you think, he's saying, that you can just say, Lord, Lord to me? And not be concerned about the exactness of my will? I mean, do you really think that? The majority of religious people, he's saying, right? Many will say to me on that day, didn't we do this? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we heal? Didn't we do all these great miracles? I mean, they're pleading, wait a minute. Wait, look at this, look at this, look at this. Look look at my resume. He's going to say, okay, I'll give you some consideration for that. Kind of like changing schools, you know, they give you credit for the course you took. Yeah, I'll give you credit for that course. He said, I never knew you. I don't know what you were doing, and I don't know whose name you were using, but it wasn't my true name, and it wasn't me behind it. And guess what? We don't have a relationship. We do not have a relationship. Why? Because you are an evildoer. You're more concerned about doing evil than my will. Sometimes we don't like to talk about that. When's the last time you told, brother, you're just doing evil? Oh, wow. I'm going to repent then. (laughs) Evil. But Jesus just lays it out. Evildoer. Why? To wake us up. Keep us on the narrow way. To recognize this is serious. And we better seek all of these pillars with conviction, determination, and most of all, be motivated out of our love for God to want to do His will. For Him to even reveal a will that we can follow is a gift. Put these four pillars in your life. Keep them there. Reevaluate them. Reset them if you need to. But make sure they're there. Thank you very much.